Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show on Believe. I am your host, spoiler alert, Tracy Sandler, and I am very excited to be joined today by the incredible Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles on Blue Wire, great human extraordinaire, 49ers fan, just really an all-around wonderful human. Thanks for coming on the show. How do you like that intro? It was great. It was why I wanted to come on the show because I needed the self-esteem boost and I knew that you would give me one. So thank you. That's exactly what I was looking for. You're very welcome. One of the things we really excel at on this show is with introductions of our guests. And yeah, by no, me, you, I mean myself. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you nailed that. Uh, I have nothing to say. I just needed that. So I'll see ya. All right. Well, guys, hope you enjoy <laughs> the games this weekend. Bye. <laughs> just kidding. We're going to talk football. Kyle, we are coming off maybe, not maybe, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the best divisional weekend of football we've ever seen. Ever. I'm going with it. I'm doing it. It's my hot take, except it's like lukewarm. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I can't. So when like you say that, I can't push back on it. Because well, I don't really have anything. Just... <laughs> I don't have anything in my head that's immediately like, "Well, that was better." I mean, you get three walk, four walk off wins, three walk off field goals, a twenty four point comeback that fell short, that insane uh, game in Kansas City. It's hard to draw up like better a better weekend of football than that. I think it really is hard to draw up, and I I'm going to go ahead and say it's the best. Granted, I've only been alive so long, but sure. in my time as a football fan. And, and watching football, which has been the majority of my life, uh, it's the best I've ever seen. So therefore, because I like to make it all about me, it's just the best. So yeah, no, that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> uh, and I think I, I think you're you might be right. Like this oh, is I, one. This is I a usually. weekend that all. Like <laughs> someone, someone go. You remember the 2021 divisional round? It's gonna be like yes. I don't. Uh-huh. I can't say that about any other year. You know so what? Honestly, out. last year the only thing like. I remember obviously the Bucks won the Super Bowl and I remember the Super Bowl, but in terms of the playoffs, I know that there were good games. I remember tweeting, I love football, but the only thing I remember vividly was that Nickelodeon game last year, the first time they did it and yeah. just be excited about slime. But that's the only thing that like really stands out to me the year before, of course, recovering the Niners, like going to the Super Bowl, about to lose my microphone because I got so excited about it. Um, but so I remember like those games but as a whole, comprehensively, I'm going to say it's the best. So there. Yeah, that's fair. I, so I'm going to agree with you. All right. Well, we are off to a great start here. And I'm on the right side of history. Absolutely. So let's let's have a brief conversation about all the games before we get into 49ers Packers and start looking ahead to Sunday's game at SoFi NFC Championship. Very exciting stuff. But. Let's uh, take a quick look at the other games this weekend. We had the Bengals and the Titans. And on Saturday, you had both number one seeds just taken right out of this thing, starting with the Bengals beating the Titans. And I would say for me, when I looked at the four games this weekend, the only one that I was confident in my pick was the Titans. And just goes to show how wrong I was. But what a game. And I got to say, I'm real happy for Bengals fans. Yeah, I am too. I also I picked the Titans to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I thought I just That's like um your March bracket. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, and it's like I no seriously. I had Packers. Packers Titans was my Super Bowl. 
So that didn't work out. I just, yeah, it's just like, hey, first round buys, they matter. Turns out they don't. Uh, But no, the Titans were getting Derrick Henry back. They had a buy. Derrick Henry had gotten a couple weeks to practice and get his legs back. I was just thinking, man, they're going to, they're just going to kind of keep Joe Burrow on the sideline and their defensive line's really good. And honestly, the game played out from, from the Titans defense perspective a lot like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Like Jeffrey Simmons and that defensive line was dominant because the the Bengals offensive line isn't very good. They, they stacked scored Joe nine, Burrow nine times. Yeah, they, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it was like you've literally never really seen anything like it in a, in a playoff game. I think it tied the record for sacks in a playoff game. So uh, yeah, it just kind of went how I thought. But the Titans offense just never got off the ground. Like Ryan Tannehill was terrible. He threw an interception on his first pass of the game, the first pass of the second half, and then the last pass of the game. And that's just yeah. when when you're when you have a quarterback. I mean, the Niners know when you have a quarterback like that who's who's going to make a ton of mistakes. Like that's going to be a huge problem. So um, that didn't that didn't go the way I thought it would. But yeah, tough 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 time for my Titans pick. You know, one of the, the thing I always remember when I hear the words Ryan Tannehill, this is what I always think of, and I don't know if anybody else remembers this. But now they will. So I apologize in advance, Mr. Tannehill. But do you remember when he was on the Miami Dolphins and he like made fun of the practice squad guys after a practice? And it was like no. kind of a big deal for a little while. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't have all the details in front of me, um, but I do remember it. And it always sticks with me. And I just I really have a hard time getting I again, I don't know the details. It could have all been a good fun, but it was enough of something to make it a little bit of a story. Huh. And I think that's like not cool. I don't remember that at all, but now I'm going to research it because that's hilarious. Yeah, so, if Ryan Tannehill uh, is just dragging practice squad guys when he's a mediocre quarterback. I think he did apologize, but I, I'm pretty sure my take at the time was like, really? Really, Ryan Tannehill? You're, this, is the, this is what you're going to do? So, right. so there's that. Um, but that's either here nor there. That's probably not why he threw all those interceptions, or maybe it is. Maybe it's an attitude problem. Who's to say? But nonetheless, <laughs> the Titans are out of this thing. They are now on their way to Cabo, on their couches, whatever. They're done. Next up on our hit parade of uh, games to talk about is going to be that Rams-Buccaneers game where the Buccaneers almost came back to win it. To win it. I'm really good. It's a good thing I'm a writer. The Buccaneers <laughs> almost came back to win, to win it. I work with words, I swear. Um, they are. <laughs> they almost came back to it. You know what the great thing is too? I'm not even going to edit that out because just, I think Perfect. it's fine. It's totally yeah, fine. Totally. So, Editing's for quitters. <laughs> I like that. Um, the, the, uh, the Buccaneers almost come back to win it. The Rams tried super hard to lose that game. Super hard. Did everything in their power, probably because they're afraid of the 49ers. There's a take. They didn't, they didn't want him to face him didn't again. Didn't want to play. <laughs> didn't want to have to play him again. But the Buccaneers said, nope, you're going to have to do it. Nonetheless, though, what a game. And that Tom Brady, I know you guys all make fun of me, but like, come on. Yo, here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though. All right. I get the whole Tom Brady thing. Well, I mean, I, fair. coming from tw- <laughs> 27 points down and the 28 to three, like I'm I, like Tom Brady's career is unassailable. Like I'm not trying to. But that was Cooper Cup fumbling. Um, mm-hmm. the the Rams getting a turnover and then immediately fumbling a snap because Matthew Stafford wasn't looking for it. 
Um, really, I mean, just so many, the, the Cam Akers fumble when all they needed was a first down to seal the game. Like mm-hmm. they just did so many things mm-hmm. wrong that had nothing to do with Tom Brady. And I get Tom Brady has to execute in the offense has to go score the 24 points in the last 20 minutes or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. But like you said, the Rams did so many things that had nothing to do with Tampa Bay's quarterback play. True. It's just that, that he was able to capitalize on those things. Yeah. I, I think, though, and this is going to be a take that there is, I have zero evidence, stats, facts Perfect. behind. My favorite kind of take. <laughs> Let it rip. So, I'm just going to, this is just something I'm going to say, but I'm saying in advance, I have nothing to support it. Okay. Yeah. It is amazing, though, that these things happen, to, happen in games that Tom Brady plays in, and then he's able to execute when they happen. So I, was, I think just his presence on the field, kind of like the Rams being too scared to play the 49ers, Tom Brady's presence on the field. Yeah, like maybe that actually does like have something to do with it. Like you're, you start pressing a little bit or I, I have, I legitimately have no idea, but at some point, like it stops being a coincidence when right? all this weird stuff happens when like Tom Brady is involved in the game. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just it just getting away from that, like just a remarkable. Why would you want game. to get away from that? That's weird. Okay, yeah. but- <laughs> <laughs> it's just a rem- it was just an unbelievable football game. And then you have Matthew Stafford on the other side, who's like the opposite of Tom Brady, right? Has all mm-hmm. these huge numbers, but people say, "Oh, well, he can't win. He can't win." Why are the Rams trading for this guy? He's never won a playoff game. Well, now he's won two, and like mm-hmm. lo and behold, when a quarterback is surrounded by good players and good coaches, he's a better player. Like whoa, yes, shocking. That is. That now there's a hot take that's not even I lukewarm. Know. That is fire. It's a scorcher. It's a scorcher. Is, you put together a good roster and good people to coach them, and you just never know what might happen. Yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to go public with that. You don't have to cut that out. You can leave that in the pod. Um, well, editing's for quitters. I learned that earlier. So yeah. Yeah. Coaching and roster construction <laughs> matters. Yeah. And, and I mean Matthew Stafford, credit to him. Like that was a dime that he threw to Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. And it was. and as we've seen, that's not a super easy throw to make. So, uh, yeah, all the credit to Matthew Stafford. I know people want to drag the guy, but he's been he's been incredible through their two playoff games, and he's a reason that they're in the NFC Championship. Absolutely, and I will say he's making a believer out of me because I certainly was a person that was like, I can't, I don't argue with his talent and his ability and and the numbers mm-hmm. he's put up. Uh, but I was, I just didn't know yet if it was going to make a difference, you know. So, but it sure has made a difference, and also. So it's nothing to do with uh, talent or anything, but shout out to Cooper Cup for having like maybe the best name. It's a really good name. It's a really good name. name. Like Mm -hmm. just really good receiver names. Cooper Cup is a great name. Jamar Chase, Mm -hmm. I think is a great name. Debo Samuel, of course, is just a, just a banger of a name. Really good wide receiver names in the NFL right now. And uh, probably not a coincidence that those three teams won this weekend. Yeah, it's a great, you know, a really strong point. Byron Pringle for the for the Chiefs. There you go. Byron, yes, I think. Well, I think we've we've cracked that code. So yeah, that's what it takes. Get receivers <laughs> with better names. For those of you starting to do your draft prep, I would be looking at this receiver class and not based on talent or numbers. Yep. Names. Yep. Because that's what it's all about. But I just think we're getting so much done here. Uh, but we're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we are. Crushing it. Crushing it. All right, we're, speaking of crushing it, we're going to go to the uh, late game on Sunday, the Bills and the Chiefs. That game crushed it. I, it Josh Allen, I know he was a losing quarterback, but stud. Absolute stud. Just, I'm like sick for Bills fans, but but what a game. 
is unbelievable. Game. Like it was. we're Those sitting quarterbacks here. are also elite. I just want to just make sure that, I mean, we know that, but they are like, when we talk about elite quarterbacks, these guys are elite quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's what I don't want to like, I don't want to turn this into a Jimmy Garoppolo thing, but it was legitimately like the two offenses on the field Sunday night were like playing a different sport than what the 49ers do. Yeah. Especially at the, especially at the quarterback position. But I mean that I have, I have different thoughts on, on that, but it was, it was like just peak and it wasn't remember the Rams chiefs Monday night game a few mm-hmm. years back where the, it was like 50, yeah, it was like 52, 54 or whatever the final score was. Mm-hmm. That was like, there were penalties and there were bad turnovers. And it was like, man, that was just kind of a sloppy football game. That was just two offenses that were just dominant. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like nothing, everything felt impossible, but also totally possible. Yeah. I get and Patrick that. Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball 13 seconds and all three timeouts. It's like, this isn't crazy. Like th- it's not insane to think they could get into field goal range. And sure enough, like two throws and a couple timeouts and they're in field goal range. Well, I think it, it I mean, this has been well documented, documented, but when you look at the Cowboys Niners game last week and the Cowboys had what, like 14 seconds and they couldn't get, I mean, they yeah. barely made it through one play. And so it's just, no, it, it was crazy. And just seeing some of the throws that both of them make it, like you said, nothing's impossible, but you have those two, nothing is impossible. And it was incredible to watch. And, you know, I, I know you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo and we're going to get to the 49ers Rams game. And that's, you know, that's the 49ers can't do that. And that's why those teams can, but they win in different ways. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, your roster, your personnel, and you got, you got what you want, got, and you deal with it. But let's talk about 49ers Packers because I think probably most of the people listening to this podcast are very interested in the gentleman in the red and gold based mm. on the two people on this podcast today. Uh, totally. So so we'll talk 49ers Packers. Obviously, we know they won. Epic game in the snow at Lambeau. And like pretty kind of incredible, especially when you look at that first drive where it looked like, oh, God, this is going to be a very long night. And then the 49ers defense just settled in and was, I mean, nothing short of spectacular in that game, game in every way. Um, I'm going to toot my own horn for a second on the Tracy Sandler show. So I don't want to shock mm. anybody, but I mentioned a few times in a few different platforms last week that the game was probably going to come down to special teams and lo and behold, look it's at great that point. It's 49 ers special teams who have done a lot to not inspire any sort of confidence. Luckily we're meeting a special teams unit worse than themselves and capitalized and won the game as a result. I mean, I would say you, <laughs> they did win the game as a result. A week after Kyle Shanahan was talking about the special teams and saying, you just hope to not lose on special teams. Special teams <laughs> accounts for all 13 of their points, which is pretty incredible. incredible. Yeah, I, You really just is. have to just going back to the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes thing and tying it into the 49ers. You just have to view the 49ers through a different scope when talking about good teams and bad teams in the NFL, because the league has become so quarterback centric mm-hmm. that, that, the team with the better quarterback is the better team now. Like that's the, that's the focus. You know, I listened to different NFL podcasts and I was really interested to hear what people had to say about this weekend. And, and multiple different personalities are talking about how the 49ers are the worst team left in the playoffs. And it's like, no, they're not. They're the they're best not. team left in the playoffs to me. Like from a team standpoint, mm-hmm. their offense scored zero points, which doesn't happen a lot. Like they don't have a bad offense. They have a really good offense, Yeah, but their offense couldn't get off the ground. 
and they were still good enough defensively to hold the Packers to 10 points. It's the league MVP over there, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a presumed league MVP. Um, and then their special teams comes out, and like you said, was so bad all year, and they come through and they make plays. That's got to be terrifying. If you're the Rams and the teams in the AFC, like, okay, they don't have an elite star quarterback, but they figure out ways to win because their roster is loaded and their coaching staff does a great job of putting guys in positions to succeed. I just have a hard time. Like the Niners are just really hard to beat. Like, I you agree can hold with them, you. Their offense is zero points and still lose. That's crazy. I agree with you. And I, that's why I believe I agree with you that I think they are the best team or at the very least the scariest team because you, you can't count on doing any one thing to stop them. Because if yeah. you do one thing to stop them, then the other thing won't. I think Debo Samuel is really scary um, mm-hmm. because, and that's obviously not a, a hot take or expert analysis, but I think he is really scary because what we've seen is teams know what they're going to do, but they can't stop it. Right. And so that's that's kind of an incredible thing. And then you have George Kittle. I mean, even on that first drive, if it wasn't so cold and Kittle and Ayuk and Jennings all catch those passes in the in the first quarter it's mm-hmm. also a very different ball game then all totally. of a sudden they are scoring a lot of points on offense and I don't like to blame the weather but it certainly I think was a factor uh yeah. in, at least in that first quarter so if you look at it if you look at the 49ers that way they play that game in the afternoon or they play that game maybe basically anywhere else in the country then the 49ers win that game 20 to 10 27 sure. to 10 uh, sure. So, so I do think that makes them somewhat scary, but I agree with you in that they're the best team because they know how to use their personnel property properly and put them in positions to win and they win. And this mm-hmm. team also has had its backs up against the wall for so long in so many games and they always come through except for the one game against the now, I was going to call them the defunct Titans, which I don't think is correct. Cause <laughs> that's they, nope. They're still, they're, they're <laughs> definitely still funked. They are funked. <laughs> But the the eliminated. I'll go. <laughs> yeah, eliminated is right. Yeah. yeah but yeah, like works. defunct is if I'm breaking some very big news here on the yeah, yeah, they're just gone. <laughs> you lost the game. You're done. Um, but the now <laughs> that'd be wild. <laughs> Would you guys hear that show? This is crazy. Did you hear this? <laughs> Titans now, are gone. Put Tracy just, Sandler. They're just, do we think Tracy knows what defunct means? Nobody knows, but the Titans are gone. No more Tennessee Titans. Um, but the now eliminated Titans, and even that game is a game that they almost won. So uh, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think this is a, a scary football team, and this is a football team now that comes up against Matthew Stafford and the Rams for the third time this season. Uh, they have owned the Rams. It has been well documented, but in case anybody's missed it, they've won their last six against the Rams. Uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan and um, Jimmy Garoppolo are six. Did Shanahan ever lose to the Rams? This is now something I'm. Oh yeah, it, in that, the beginning it was that Thursday night game. Oh god, uh, yes, Brian Hoyer. Yeah, that was, that, rough, was that was super high though. scoring. It was a rough. And go. then there was Why a game at Levi Stadium. I think that same year, it might have been the next year, but right. the Rams won like thirty-nine to ten or something. You're right. It's Jimmy Garoppolo is undefeated against the Rams. Yes, Kyle Shanahan, that's but. As a group, they're six. Okay, well, I'm really glad that you're on today to, to help me with that. But with that Brian Hoyer game, I tried to, I actually try to take the Brian Hoyer era and just yeah, 2017 doesn't it. count. No, yeah, it does not. Totally. Remember that game where he basically threw a pass to Kyle Shanahan? That was amazing. I've never yeah. seen Kyle Shanahan look so mad in a game. 
That was a tough, that was a tough time. <laughs> that was a tough time, but things are looking up. Um, so anyways, back to this 49ers Rams matchup on Sunday at SoFi, uh, where they just played a few weeks ago to get into the playoffs down 17, nothing, of course, in the first half, ultimately win in overtime, basically a home game because the entire stadium was red, which is a big story this week is the Rams are trying to keep 49ers fans out of SoFi, but Kyle Madsen, I am not subscribing to the, it's, it's hard to beat a team three times theory in a Mm -hmm. season theory. Uh, And I think our, our friend Nick Wagner actually tweeted out some stats to that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think more, this is a tough game because the Rams are a very good football team with a tremendous amount of talent who are coming off uh, a couple Wins of their own. We've seen Matthew Stafford come into his own now now that he's won the two playoff games. There's got to be a lot of confidence there. So that all being said, I think the Niners match up really well against them. And I think they just might win again. Yeah, it's not like a coincidence they've won six times in a row. No. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I, I work in sports talk radio. And one of the things that that people were concerned about today was, Oh, it's got to beat him a seventh time in a row. It's like, that doesn't, they, it's not a, Mm -mm. it's not like they've gotten lucky and won six times in a row. And it's like, Oh, the luck's going to run out. Like you said, they just match up really well. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Kyle Shanahan has some kind of insight into the way the Rams want to defend his offense and has the counter punches for it. And conversely, um, I think knows Sean McVay well enough to know kind of what counter punches he's going to throw. And I think yes. that that helps out the defensive coaching staff a lot. So I don't think like, yeah, the, the, the stat Nick tweeted out was it's, there's been 22 instances where teams have faced off for a third time in the playoffs. And and the team that was two and O going in is 14 and eight. Yeah. And it, that's because that typically means that the team that won twice has a, has, has a good matchup um, or is just a better team. And when you watch the Rams, it was like, they were up 27 to three and it was like, man, that they look, they look really scary, but then they rammed like they just did. They just made mistakes. And that's just kind of what, like we've seen them do that. We, mm-hmm. we, we saw them do it in, in week 18 against the 49ers with Stafford throwing a couple picks. And then they have a defensive lapse here and a defensive lapse there. And all of a sudden it's, you know, 17, 17. And just like on Sunday, it was all of a sudden it was 27, 27. So, um, no, I, I like this matchup a lot for San Francisco. I, I like it a lot more than having to go face Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And if you can face a team that you've owned for the last three seasons, even when like they beat them twice in 2020 with a hobbled Jimmy Garoppolo in week, I think it was six. And then late mm-hmm. in the year, beat them with Nick Mullins. And they just, they, they do, they do a really good job of scheming against Aaron Donald and making the Rams quarterbacks uncomfortable, whether it's Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. And I, <laughs> I think that saying, oh, they've won six in a row, that is a reason to be afraid if you're a 49ers fan. I just think that's kind of silly. I agree with you. I agree with you 1,000% because I subscribe to the theory that it's not a coincidence. And they've beaten yeah. them twice this year. And, you know, they beat them the, the Monday night game. That was a real turning point in the season. And that was a game mm-hmm. where nobody gave them a chance, including the host of this podcast. And they came <laughs> out and just... <laughs> 
dominated and really in many ways have never looked back. So, and I think, you know, they're in their head and I think, you know, we all mm-hmm. like joke about it and all of that, but I think there is something to that. Kyle Shanahan is in Sean McVay's head. There is, there's something to do to that as well. I even think to be honest with you, the stuff this week, and then I want to get into like, of course, actual football talk about it, but you know, I think the sure. stuff this week with the tickets and, and people tweeting out, huh. you know, don't sell all buy them Rams fans. Don't sell it. All of that to me is like, what are you focusing on? Like, get your head in the game, literally. And to me, that shows that they're in their heads. So yeah. there you go. So there's Yeah, they're, if they're if they're going in, knowing that like they've won, and here's the thing with that. The Niners go up 17 or I'm sorry, the Rams go up 17 nothing at SoFi Stadium. Sean McVay is celebrating with his team in the end zone with 644 left in the second quarter. They mm-hmm. thought it was a wrap. He did the that was the release of emotion. He was finally going to get over on Kyle Shanahan. They were finally going to break this streak. They were going to win this game by 30 and knock the Niners out. And then they 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 lose. The Niners go down, they get the field goal before the half. They score a touchdown to make it 17-10 and it just felt like any Rams energy was sucked out of that building because it was a like here we go again type of thing. And so now if you're the Rams, you almost blew a huge lead. Well, you did blow a huge lead in the in the divisional game. Now you have to go home where, as you just laid out, you're terrified of the opposing fans coming to evade and turning it into a road game for you in your home stadium. And you have, hanging over your head, you'd blown a 17-0 lead to this team three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And maybe that plays to the Rams' advantage. Like it's, they just saw this team. Okay. They don't have a lot of time to really think about it. They just got to go in and, and, and get it done. But I think there's a lot of off field intangible things that play into this that, you know, come Sunday, if the Rams get out to a slow start, I think people are going to point to it. Well, and I think for, I think it places a 49ers advantage that for them, they were down 17, nothing to this team on the quote unquote road. I always say mm-hmm. that because of all the fans, right. but on the road and they were able to come back. And then, you know, after playing at the game in, in Dallas and Lambeau, I think for the 49ers, there's a thing that it's like, it obviously getting down 17, nothing is not ideal and not something they're looking to do again on Sunday, but no matter what we're in this game. And so, you know, nothing to be able to say like, Hey, we were just, you know, down 17 nothing a couple weeks ago and look at us now right. I, I think plays very much to their advantage they won that game without Trent Williams you know at left mm-hmm. tackle uh he was hurt the other night Shanahan said uh in his Monday conference call that x-rays were negative they're gonna have to manage him throughout the week so you know that is a little bit TBD if I were to make a guess uh when we're recording this on the Monday before the game I would guess Trent Williams is gonna play but you know obviously we we, we can't know for sure until we get later into the week. Uh, Debo Samuel also going to be managed, took a a helmet to the knee or leg, but Shanahan expected to get him back on Wednesday. And somebody else that Shanahan said they're hoping to have practice on Wednesday is a cornerback, Ambry Thomas. I think everybody knows how I feel about him. He went to Michigan. So big into that guy. Uh, Plus that game ceiling interception against uh, Matthew Stafford. So hopefully for the 49ers, I think it becomes really important that they have him on the field on Sunday. I think his, him not being there on Saturday was obviously mm-hmm. the defense played great, but that was a big deal because it was Dante Johnson. Uh, and then later it came Josh Norman, which I think for 49ers fans has, has kind of become a dreaded name because often when mm-hmm. he's on the field, not great things happen. So I think that it's really important for the 49ers to have Ambry Thomas back. Um, but 
you know, I think Trent Williams becomes a big part of this game. I really do believe that his health becomes a big part of this game, uh, which is, again, not such a hot take, but uh, I think it's important. Especially with what the Rams did against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Mm -hmm. Bay was down uh, a starting tackle, too. And Von Miller had a huge game. Um, they were lining up Aaron Donald on on any passing down. They were lining up Aaron Donald at 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 defensive end, which mm-hmm. is terrifying. Like he he can do that and be effective doing that. And that's a wrinkle that I think they're going to throw at the 49ers for sure. Like if it's if it's Tom Compton on one side and and Colt McKivitz on the other side, like those guys are fine. But if it's Aaron Donald and Von Miller, the two edge rushers in a third and eight. You don't love the 49ers' chances in those spots. No. And and Tom Compton had a little bit of a rough night yeah, on a Saturday. Bit. A little bit of a beaten for many a sack, I will say. <laughs> it, was tough. It, was, it was a little bit. Not his, was, not his best game. Not his best game. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo may be having some sort of prayer circle that <laughs> Trent Williams uh. is, is healthy. And okay. Um, so I don't know. We're going to. We're going to see how that goes because, yeah, that combination that you just mentioned, I feel like if I say it out loud too much, it manifests it. So I'm just going to not say it. But okay, that combination totally. you just mentioned would not be ideal. <laughs> Again, you you really want Trent Williams as part of the the offensive line on Sunday. Yeah, uh, that's it's a significant loss if he's not playing. I think, well, I think take. we nailed that it's another take. take. Yep. Mark that one take. down. Write that down, listener. If you lose your all-pro left tackle, it is, yes, a significant, significant loss. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, taking that out of it, um, what other matchups are you excited to see on Saturday? I'm really excited to see Nick Bosa against whoever's playing left tackle for the Rams, whether that's Andrew Whitworth or uh, I think Joe Noteboom played this last week. played tackle for the Rams mm-hmm. on, on, sun, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Really good name. Um, if it's, if it's Noteboom instead of Whitworth, like that's a, that's a matchup that either Nick Bosa is going to win or the Rams are going to have to devote so much attention to it that you're going to see guys like Arden, uh, Eric Armstead, Arden key, uh, Sanson Abucom continue to have really, really good games because teams are just so focused on not letting Nick Bosa wreck a game. And, he still had an unbelievable outing against the Packers, you know, maybe his best mm-hmm. game since that, that Super Bowl against the chiefs. Um, so that's one I'm, I'm always interested in watching. Um, and then what does, who does Jalen Ramsey match up on? And what, what, because if like they try and if they try and have him follow Debo Samuel, you can put Debo in the backfield, just motion him into the backfield and essentially eliminate Jalen Ramsey from the play. Mm-hmm. Um, they put him on Brandon Ayuk. Okay, now that's leaving other players who are more involved in the passing attack. You know, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings. Uh, Jennings obviously had the huge game against the Rams in week 18. Um, if I'm the Rams, though, I'm trying to put Jalen Ramsey on George Kittle. That's, that's and like, right. he has... Yeah, he has the the size and the the athleticism to match up on him, and I think that like if you take Kittle away, it doesn't necessarily shut down the Niners' offense. But I I just their offense is not close to its ceiling when George Kittle is getting two targets. Yes, correct. That's 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 a very very good point. Um, I've also was thinking as you were saying that that I think we are due for a really big Kittle game. Like we really mm. haven't, I, I just feel like 
at, at some point that is going to happen. And I feel like that some point could be this week because I also think teams are really scared of Debo Samuel for the reasons that mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. So might be devoting quite a bit of time to that. And this is the cool thing about the 49ers offense that you have a guy like a Jawan Jennings who all of a sudden, fine, take away those guys, then he'll get the job done. Brandon Ayuk, his mm-hmm. story has been a really kind of an incredible story of the season from, from where he started. And, and so I don't know, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I do feel like we are due for a big George Kittle game. I was shocked to find out that 63 yards is his playoff career high. Really? I, and it, yeah. And like, it makes sense if you think back on all does. the games, because mm-hmm. Garoppolo threw what, like, like eight passes in the NFC championship game and, and, yeah. and not a ton against the Vikings in that divisional game. And then Kittle didn't have a huge play in a Super Bowl, And mm-hmm. that was it. Um, so yeah, 63 yards is his playoff career high. And I'm, I'm with you though. And, and, he he could have had, as you alluded to earlier, a hundred plus and a touchdown if he if he doesn't drop that ball in the first quarter. But I do think that that hundred and ten with a touchdown on eight or nine catches, like it just it feels like it's there. It feels like it's coming. I and feel if, like that too. If he does that, I, I really like the Niners' chances because when he goes off, they're a very very difficult offense to stop. And I think you make a good point on Ramsey. I mean, I agree with you. I think you do you would put him on Kittle's because of because of his size. But I just think like. I don't know. This is the thing with that offense. When you have a stacked roster, then mm-hmm. you put him on one guy. What happens to the others? Uh, you also, obviously, they're going to want to, you know, get that run game going. Uh, they want Elijah Mitchell to have a- another really strong game. But I just feel like I don't know. Maybe, maybe you heard it here first, guys. Big George Kittle day on Sunday. I like oh, it. Oh, cats make it. Hi, friend. Yeah, that's uh, that's Stephen Purry. Um, he was clawing at my legs, which is why I was trying to get him up here. So he wouldn't, uh, you might hear him bump into my microphone right there. Yeah. There we can see him. He's just, yeah. Yep. He's just, he's the neediest cat in the universe. And here he goes. Yep. There he goes. Okay. Oh, Stefan Perry. Well, for those of you watching on YouTube, you get to see Stefan Perry. Uh, and for those of you listening at home, then make sure to check, catch us on YouTube. So you can see Stefan Perry. He has so much to say. Do you think he has some takes? Does he want to say something? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think he's, he's content with finding a spot to nap. He's the neediest cat in the universe. Uh, Do you see this? This is just, he's just, he's perched on my shoulder and eventually he's going to fall asleep up here because this is what he does. Oh, that's so sweet though. Is it? (laughs) I think it's really sweet. It's a little, it's, it's, it's cute sometimes, but I I mean, geez Louise. Oh my God, you guys, if you're listening to this, you do have to go watch on YouTube because this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Also, he's bumping the microphone, so I think he does have a take. I think he also, think it's gonna, also thinks it's going to be a big George Kittle game. Yeah, um, a big George so this, Kittle guy, yeah, he is. This conversation brings me to a Jimmy Garoppolo conversation. And I think you and I have probably different in opinion at, diff- at times during the year uh, where I've kind of always felt that Kyle Shanahan made the right choice and, and that Jimmy Garoppolo was the person that was going to give them the best opportunity. And here they are in the NFC championship game. So it worked, even if it's not kind of like what you were saying, was this really about Tom Brady? Obviously this is not, these last few wins are not necessarily about Jimmy Garoppolo, but we've seen him come through. We saw that Rams game a few weeks ago, obviously uh, I've said this a bunch of times, career defining moment, in my opinion, you know, he does, he does find a way to win. So you have this roster and you have this quarterback who's certainly not an elite quarterback. I don't even, I wouldn't say he's a mediocre quarterback, but I'd say he's somewhere between that and a good quarterback. Or maybe we'll just call him a good quarterback. 
good. I'm going to go with good. Uh, I feel like if I say great, you're going to be like, let's not get excited. Um, so I'm going to go with good. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and there's, and I think there's, I'm going to say something else here before you come in and tell me why I'm wrong, which is fine. I also think there's something to be said for leadership qualities and a team having trust in you as a quarterback, as a leader. Uh, they all talked about a calm on Saturday night, that there was mm-hmm. a team-wide calm. And he said it felt like they were controlling game, but they all kind of felt there was a team-wide calm throughout the game, which was impressive under the circumstances. And I do think a lot of that comes from him. So there's something to be said for that as well. I guess my point being, he is who he is at quarterback, but there's so much talent around him. And will that ultimately be what leads to a trip to the Super Bowl? I think that the a, I think the Chiefs are maybe a cut above everybody else. I think I thought the Chiefs and the Bills were a cut mm-hmm. above everybody else, and that the NFC teams may not be able to to stack up against that with either of them. But you know, does that ultimately win you a trip to the Super Bowl? Time will tell. But there's something to be said for it. Okay, go for it. Tell me all the reasons I'm wrong. No, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. So here's. Uh, let me start here. The decision to make Jimmy Garoppolo the full-time starter from week one turned out to be the right decision because they're playing in the NFC Championship game. Whether you liked how it happened or not, we don't know exactly how Trey Lance would have developed. Like, in theory, if you start in week one, he plays and he gets better as the year goes on. And, you know, in theory, yeah, maybe they go 10-7 and and they're in the same spot, but the ceiling of the offense is higher. Sure, maybe. But the fact of the matter is, like, they're in the NFC title game with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starting quarterback. So to argue with the process at this point, like, to me is kind of foolish. Like, mm-hmm. it worked. Trey Lance clearly developed because between week five and week 17, he got better. Like, he was markedly better in his second start than his first one. Meanwhile, they're playing for the NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. You can you can nitpick how much Jimmy Garoppolo's had to do with that. He hasn't played great in, in two playoff games. But, I mean, it, it's worked. It, it worked. The 49ers got kind of where, I mean, obviously they want to win a Super Bowl, but it's hard to hard to call a season of failure when you got to the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So that I, I don't think you can really quibble with anymore. As far as Garoppolo goes, like, I don't want to turn this into a whole, like, big, wide discussion, but I think the conversation with him starts in this era of, like, immediate takes mm-hmm. where you need to have a... I, I was listening to a podcast and somebody called it mic drop takes where like mm-hmm. every time you say something, it has to be the final word on this topic. And this is my stance. But I think you have to zoom out with Jimmy mm-hmm. because I think to say the 49ers have to keep him. He got him to the NFC championship. I think that's, I think that's wrong. Right? I, no, I, I agree think with that. that. And, and I, but I, I also think too, to say, well, he stinks. Like, no, that's also not the case. For the reasons you you said with in terms of leadership and, and locker room and stuff, those intangible things, but he's not like does he have some some bad throws? Yeah. Does he does he make some some pretty boneheaded mistakes like that interception against Green Bay? Uh, pretty inexcusable. And that's why mm-hmm. the 49ers are moving on. Right. But he can also is his is the um, are the amount of throws he can make limited? Yes. I, that's mm-hmm. undeniable. Mm-hmm. But the throws he can make, he makes it a really high level. And that's why on third and 11, the team will put the ball in his hand so he can hit George Kittle over the middle. Where And that's, you know, those in-breaking routes. That's where he's the most comfortable. And he's really good at those. Now, in a, in a 
in the context of great quarterback play, like having a quarterback who is really excellent at one throw and not very good at everything else is not awesome. But for what this 49ers team needs, like it, it's, it clearly works. So I, I, I think that's the right decision to move on from Garoppolo, but I also think it's the right decision or it's been the right decision to, to stick with him. And both the tangible and intangible reasons. And I was not suggesting they stick with him next year. I think sure. to me, it's a foregone, you know, I think unless they like win the Super Bowl, it's, it, I honestly think even if they win the Super Bowl with him, I think they're moving on. I know that yeah. it would be, it's harder and it becomes a, it becomes a conversation. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're moving on. They all know they're moving on. He himself has said, I'm starting to think of, oh, this could be my last time. Like, Everybody knows they're moving on. That's been pretty clear since they made that trade. So I think, you know, even if they win the Super Bowl with him, I still think they end up moving on from him. But I think this, I I love this idea of it has to be a mic drop take because the reality is most of life is not a mic drop take. Right. (laughs) That is not actually how life works. And Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is the microcosm of that. And we have seen him. You know, you look at that 2019 New Orleans game. You look at the 2019 Seattle game. You look at the game against the Rams a few weeks ago. We have seen him when they need to put the ball in his hands and he needs to get the job done. He can get the job done. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we certainly have seen that happen. We did not see that in the Super Bowl, but there were there were other issues. And I think, you know, obviously he'll be remembered for that, that throw. That was that was not to be to Emmanuel Sanders, yeah. uh, but you know I think it, it's not life is not a mic drop take, and I think that is could not be truer than than with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know we'll see what happens on Sunday. He luckily is playing a quarterback that also likes to throw a lot of bonehead interceptions. Maybe he doesn't like to, but he does. So uh, it will be interesting to see you know which one. So you know last week when I started talking about the game on the early early part of the week podcast started talking about what were the keys to victory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said special teams, obviously being efficient, you know, on a third down, yada, 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 defense by all the things. Uh, so now we're looking ahead and I feel it's early in the week to make a prediction. So I don't know that I'm going to make us do that yet, okay. but I Thank am going to have, you're welcome, but I would like to know, and I, we could each do this, our three keys to victory in this game. I think with the 49ers, it's fascinating because their keys to victory are basically the same every week. They are mm-hmm. like, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of different wrinkles they're going to throw. But I think the number one, like the, the biggest thing is they have to impact Matthew Stafford. Like mm-hmm. they just have to, um, getting him off his spot, forcing him to throw early, forcing him into those boneheaded throws that he is liable to make. I think it's just the number one. If the 49ers do nothing else, that's how they're going to stay in this game because I don't know if their offense is is hitting on a cylinder right now that they can go in and score 30 points. Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one. And then number, number two is not even just the running game, but making sure their best players are the ones involved on offense. Mm -hmm. Feed George Kittle a lot, feed Debo Samuel a lot, feed Eli Mitchell a lot. It has to be those guys. I mean, much respect to to Kyle Juszczyk and Charlie Werner, and I'm not, and and even Juwan Jennings. Like Juwan Jennings is good for you know the third down conversions and the occasional big game like he had against the Rams, but it's not like a feed Juwan Jennings type of thing. Like the the best players have to have good games, like we talked about with George Kittle earlier. So that's mm-hmm. 
that's kind of the second one to me. I'm interested in yours before I come up with a third. Well, I think you're right about Matt Stafford. And I think this game very much falls on that front seven and alluding to something that you said earlier. This actually isn't even alluding. This is just flat out saying something you said earlier. Even if they give that much attention to Nick Bosa, what's I think scary about this line is that you have Arden keep playing at a really high level and being a difference maker in games. You have DJ Jones. Eric Armstead's probably playing the best football of his career. And his third, his ability of third down sacks is it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it was a game changer the other night. I mean, it was it was like special teams and Eric Armstead, but it really was a, a game changer the other night. So he's making those big plays. So this front seven, this very, a lot of this does fall on their shoulders because bringing the pressure to Stafford is, of course, what makes him make those bonehead throws. So mm-hmm. uh, in agreement with you on that. Uh, I think also I, I go even beyond the offense that their star players have to play like stars on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was thinking of something you were talking. This isn't necessarily a, a key to victory, but it, it's just something to kind of think about. The 49ers had a, was doing a terrible job at creating turnovers uh, early in the season. When they were three and five, the defense was just not creating any turnovers. They were doing a really great job of turning the ball over, which you, nobody wants to be doing a great job of, but they were not doing a good job, job on defense of getting turnovers. It was that Monday night game against the Rams that really changed that. For them, you know, mm-hmm. Jimmy Ward had the two interceptions, and and it was really since then that they have done a better job of creating turnovers. So th- they're going to want to definitely, you know, do that. That was just something I was thinking about. But I would say, you know, the the front seven bringing that pressure to Stafford, and that their star players have got to play like stars on both sides of the ball. And we haven't seen that happen that often this season. We've seen the defense have a really great game, and the stars be stars. We've seen some officers. So, you know, that's just a. There's there's a thought there. It looks like you want to say something. The the other thing that that jumps out, and this has a little bit to do with their. I think Fred Warner called it like A players playing like A players. Mm-hmm. The third the third key, and I know we talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo just now, but like there needs to be an ascension to the mean from Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been these last two games. He hasn't like people like when Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game. Um, people look at like the the Minnesota game where he was 17 of 26 for a touchdown and a pick. Like that's not a bad game. It's yeah. not an elite game, but it's also not bad. In the last two games, he's 27 for 44 for a 303 yards, no touchdowns and two picks. Like that's that's, that's bad. bad. That is bad. And he's not that bad of a quarterback. So no, I think and numbers don't say everything. I mean, we talked about the drops and you know he, he's big throws and big spots and this and that. But I think there is a statistically much better game that he can have, even with the injuries. And that's what I'm looking for. Like they need a, they don't need a great Garoppolo game. They don't need the the saints game from 2019, but can he have the kind of game where he goes 18 of, of 23 for 215 yards and a couple of touchdowns and no picks, because if he's doing that, they they they're an impossible offense to stop when he's going to be that efficient, and they well, need it from him. And I know he had a pick in that game, but would you say they needed a Week 18 against the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of game from him on Sunday? Yeah, you would. I mean, you'd take it for sure. Without uh, like, that's the thing is you can't get off to if just the stat line. Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, actually, hopefully I'm take minus that back the two picks, but the start was picks. really bad. The start was really, I take that all back. I'm thinking of those like that, that last, 
marched down the field with no timeouts. I think that's the thing. The start was awful. I mean, start was awful. The second (laughs) half. If he plays the entire game like he played in the second half, then yeah, they will. They will take it for sure. We want second half week eighteen against the Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo, (laughs) dial that up. (laughs) (laughs) Very very specific. But it's not like it's not crazy to think that that he could do that. And that's where I think the conundrum is with Garoppolo is like. He's not going to have a Josh Allen game from Sunday night, but I also think he's way better than he's been the first two playoff games. And if the 49ers are going to win, I think we need to, we need to see that because if he keeps throwing for 150 yards and a pick and no touchdowns, they're going to have a really hard time beating, beating another team like that. Yes. And I think the, the key to that, the most important thing of all of that is the no picks. Like it's really, because with, and the picks, especially in those, in that, in that Rams game, you know, those picks have killed drives. I mean, you had that that yeah. one pick that was just, and that's what he can't have. And if you're going to have a pick, mm-hmm. make it like a punt, but certainly stop having those picks in the red zone. And, you know, I think that's going to be, but that if he can do that, then all the other things you want fall mm-hmm. into place because the yardage is up and they're scoring touchdowns yeah. and all of that. But that's the key. Yeah, right take, a, take an interception in the red zone and turn it into a touchdown and you flip. I mean, that's just such a massive swing in a game. So that's every way. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I know. We don't typically view Jimmy Garoppolo as like a key to the 49er success since he's just kind of the, the game manager, but they're going to need him to make some plays on Sunday. And, um, he doesn't need to be great, but he needs to be better than he's been. And I think he will be like, I don't, I don't think he's going to have three really dreadful games in a row. I also would argue that we always look at him as the key to success because anytime we say win the turnover battle, mm. what we're saying is Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> can't throw interceptions. I mean, that's right, really right, what right. we're saying. That's right. You have the occasional George Kittle fumble. You have the occasional this and that. But the reality is when we say win the turnover battle, take care of the football, we mean. And I thought of this the other night in the press conference when they were talking about early in the season and the places they struggle where they were they were committing turnovers, but not creating turnovers. And we all know what they were saying. So mm-hmm. I would say, actually, he is a key to victory every week if, you know, if we put it that That's way. fair. That's fair. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. you and your time and for thinking I'm fair. Yeah, absolutely. It's, when it's people say, who is a beacon of fairness? I'm like, let me tell you. Tracy Sandler. <laughs> First name that comes to mind. Beacon of fairness. And I get asked that a lot. Do you? Yeah. A lot of people are like, who's just fair? And I'm like, well, do I have an answer for you? <laughs> no one no one will be more fair to you <laughs> than Tracy Sam. Yeah, just well, just right right down the middle. Straight shooter. You guys, just remember that. If you're looking for a fair take <laughs> with some hot takes sprinkled in. Though let's I was on the Kyle's of fairness, Tracy Sam. I was on Kyle's uh podcast, The Candlestick Chronicles, uh, early in the mm. season. And uh, I did have a few hot takes in that episode. And the next day there was a typo, which really <laughs> made sense. So Racy Sandler on the show. Was, and I, that was, I was super funny. I think I was less fair that episode. And <laughs> you were <laughs> and the, the internet knew. <laughs> hey, real quick. Do you stand by your Cardinals take from preseason? Well, I did up until, you know, about midway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Ultimately, you said they were the the take. If you didn't know, Tracy said that she thought the Cardinals are going to be the Niners' biggest challenge in the NFC West, and it like really looked they were seven and zero. They were last undefeated team, 
And I mean, they made the playoffs. They finished ahead of the 49ers. And they beat the like, 49ers twice. So I wasn't yeah, entirely wrong. No, I think I would stand by that take. And really, and my thing with that take was, and was that the thing with the Cardinals that I thought made them scary is you never know which Cardinals team you're going to get. Totally. At least with other teams in the NFC West, like the 49ers just can't beat the Seahawks except for the one time they did. And it was very, it was a good time to do it. So I always I like to caveat that because I'm so fair, except for the one time they did in 2019. And it was the most important time sure. in the last couple of years, at least. But was, so they know they're getting that. They, know they can't seem to be right. the Seahawks. You, have, you had a Rams team that had so much talent on it. You kind of had a general idea. And they clear, the Friars clearly know what they get with the Rams because they keep beating them. So they could mm-hmm. not know better what they're getting with the Rams. With the Cardinals, you just don't know. So I stand by that take. There okay. You go. All right. So um, I'm glad you did that. Thank you. Th- and I'm glad you brought it up. So I had had some time to talk that through and, and really get my thoughts together. So I appreciate you. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like us to know before I let you go about Sunday or about anything really? <laughs> Is there anything else you want to share? I don't, I don't, that's a loaded question. Uh, drink water. <laughs> so important. Get lots of sleep. There. Use your PTO. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I've got. Life lessons. Yeah. Life lessons welcome. right there. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks Tracy. Anytime. Oh, well, fantastic. You guys, if you like what you heard and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at fangirl sports network. And don't forget to read all of Kyle's awesome work over at Niners Wire and listen to the Candlestick Chronicles on Blue Wire because it is a great podcast and his co-host Chris Biederman has been on the Tracy Sandler show. Also great. Everyone is just mm. great. And so with that, I hope everybody, <laughs> well, he's, he's fair. Um, <laughs> but we <laughs> brought circle back. Thank you. You're all welcome. But no, honestly, beads you're great. And with that, we're going <laughs> to say goodbye and I'll talk to everybody later this week. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.